Good day, everyone. Welcome to the UFC 273 live betting show on uh, on Punt School and the Trade Mate channels. Actually, there is no Punt School channels today, I believe, but uh, hopefully we get a little retweet there. Few problems with the Punt School uh, side of things, so we're just going to stream it today on the Trade Mate channel. And um, yeah, hopefully by next week we'll have things eradicated. But yeah, UFC 273 headline by the Australian himself, Alexander Volkanovsky, facing off against the Korean Zombie. Also got, and that's for the featherweight uh, title, and then you've also got Yarn and Sterling, the rematch there for the bantamweight title. Um, so, yes, I'll be going through, obviously, those two fights, the two bigger fights on the card, uh, and along with that, be going with uh, the other main card fights. So Vince Pichel versus Mark Madsen, Mackenzie Dern versus Tisha Torres, and also Gilbert Burns versus Kazmat, Kazmat, Hamzat <laughs> Chemayev. Um, as always, for those who've been tuning in on the punt school side of things, um, I won't be giving away bets for every single fight, just uh, two today. Just need to be respectful to those who pay a subscription fee to MMA punt school and you know, use their hard-earned dollars to get all the all the good stuff. So we'll uh, we'll get into it. Kick things off with uh, Vince Pichel versus Mark Madsen. Um, and yeah, all the markets I'll get up today will be courtesy of Top Sport. I will uh, get my screen. So as you can see here, you've got Pichel at one point seven eight, and then Madsen at two point zero three. go through some of the props soon but a lot of these encounters on the card there's, there's a lot of striker versus wrestler or striker versus grappler kind of encounters on this card i think this is another great example of it um i think if for anyone that's seen the austin hubbard fight against madsen i think it could go pretty similar to that with a few variations um i think pichelle's a more dangerous striker than hubbard but he's I don't. I feel like he hasn't got. There's potential that he hasn't got the same get-up game that um, that Hubbard has. But that's that's totally up for debate. So I would say overall, this is a harder fight for Madsen, who was able to win the first two rounds in that fight, um, and then lost the lost the third as he wasn't really able to implement his wrestling anymore, um, and kind of got outstruck on the feet. Um, I think Madsen will be able to get Pichel down pretty consistently throughout the fight, but I do think he may struggle to keep him down for long periods. That's kind of where – I think that's just where the – like it's obvious Madsen's going to be able to get him down, um, you know, as long as the fight goes past a certain point in time, as long as he doesn't get, you know, flying knee to the face or anything like that and within five seconds. Um, we know that. We know that Madsen's going to be able to get him down. We also know that Pichel's a better striker. So for me, the, the the swinging point in this fight where, you know, the winner of that this battle will come out on top is the ground. And, you know, can Pichel get up very quickly after he's taken down? Or can Madsen, Madsen hold him there for periods of time? Or, you know... For you know, let's just say you know five minutes of the round. Can he hold him down for four minutes? Can he you know take him down three times in the round and each time hold him down for a minute each time? These are the um, 
these are the questions that that'll be answered on 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 Saturday or Sunday, whatever time you're watching it. But I think that's the the swinging point for this fight in terms of who will come out on top. Um, but yeah, like I said, you saw in that third round of that Hubbard fight, Hubbard had a lot more success landing strikes and keeping things on the feet once Madsen got a little bit tired. I wouldn't say he was gassed or anything, but yeah, just a little bit more tired, uh, tired sorry. Um, and, you know, I guess just tired from Hubbard constantly getting up um, and then he was able to able to outstrike him on the feet, which is um, pretty understandable given Madsen's, you know, being pretty young in his MMA career and he hasn't been able to, you know, his striking certainly improving. He looked a much better against Guida, but I think um, I think Pichel's on a, on a different level to Guida. Um, yeah, any moment this fight is on the feet, it's very dangerous for Madsen. Um, it only really takes one big strike from Pichel. He's got decent power, um, and it could all be over, just one strike. So I wouldn't be surprised even if Madsen, Madsen got him down three, four times in a round, but, you know, Pichel lands a few decent shots. Um, he could get the win. Just you know, he could get the he could win the round, or you know, obviously he could get a knockout. But um, if he just lands a few decent shots every round, and even though he gets taken down a couple times, maybe doesn't take too much damage. Maybe doesn't get held down for too long, um, and then he comes back up to the feet and lands a few big strikes. You know, you could see him stealing rounds that way potentially. So in terms of prices, oh, it's pretty close to 50-50 for me. Um, as you've seen in the odds, they kind of represent that at the moment, which I'll get back up. I I would have Pichel as favourite, but very slight, um, you know, no lower than a 185 or something like that. So I don't really see any value in those money line odds at the moment with Top Sport. Um, I think there's some interesting... Uh, uh, prop bets around. You've got um, Pichel uh, decision no bets. Quite interesting because I think Madsen might find it quite hard to uh, to finish Pichel. Um, I would say Madsen's best chance would probably be via submission, some kind of uh, front choke of some sort. Um, you know, he's got good darses. He was always trying to work something against um, against. I think it was Hubbard. From memory, if memory serves me right. Um, yeah, so I think this is an interesting way of approaching things. You got, uh, yeah, all the, there's nothing really I see here that stands out. I think just uh, double chance is kind of interesting for, um, yeah, for Madsen here. If I, you made me have a bet, I'd probably be looking at sub him to him by sub submission or decision. I couldn't really see him getting a knockout. Um, I think people would assume maybe he's got a chance of getting a ground and pound finish, but I think Pichel's too slick to be able to get stuck on the ground. So there's a few ideas for you all. Um, but, yeah, for me, no official bet here really. Um, next we'll go with uh, Dern and uh, Torres. This is an awesome fight. I really love these kind of fights where it's, you know, it's basically a 50-50 fight, but you've got two completely different fighters and it's, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. So you've got Torres. Uh, one one point nine seven with top sport, and then you've got Dern at one point eight four. Um, one moment. So yeah, another striker versus grappler encounter here. Torres being the striker, 
Dern being the grappler. I think Dern's pretty outmatched on the feet by Torres. I mean, she is improving uh, with her striking Dern every every fight. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Torres has got a wealth of experience on the feet. She'll be faster and, and she'll be looking to dart in with flurries like she normally does because she's, she's normally at quite a reach or size disadvantage in all of her fights. She's only 5'1". I think Dern's five foot four from memory. So for her striking to be effective, and it is effective the way she does it, she kind of just darts in and out, gets into range, gets out. Because when she's, you know, standing there at someone else's range, she could just potentially get jabbed apart, you know, kicked, all that kind of stuff. So um, she's quite good at coming in and out and, and you know, being effective with her striking in that way. Um, but I think that darting kind of style could leave her open to some takedowns from Dern. You just get worried that if she darts in, if Dern's smart enough, the thing is her wrestling is not too great, but if she's smart with her timing, I think she could easily time Torres a few times who can come in, you know, with a few, with a flurry of punches and it could just leave her exposed, you know, momentum going forward, Dern's momentum going the other way, you know, drops lower gets the takedown so that's a massive avenue to get this to the ground for Dern um you know up against the cage too I guess she'll be open to to tank to takedowns also Torres will um because she's a much smaller fighter so I can see her being overpowered at times and pushed back against the cage um Dern doesn't have, like I said, Dern doesn't really have great wrestling, but all she needs is one takedown, and this fight could be over within seconds or minutes, uh, you know, depending how much time's on the clock for the round. Um, I think her her wrestling and her trips are good enough. Uh, there, I think they're at a good enough level now, and Torres's takedown defense is at a bad enough level. Not really a great way of putting it, but I think it's yeah. Yeah, Torres's takedown defense is kind of at a level and Dern's wrestling is kind of at a level where I think Dern can get her down at least a couple of times um, and enough for me to say enough time to get a submission and enough time, you know, to potentially win two rounds by keeping her on the ground. Um, Dern doesn't have an awful, you know, like I said, Dern doesn't have awful striking either. So if Torres... She does have to worry about the striking too in a way. She can't just like um, be, you know, just worried about the takedowns and, you know, throw her hands and then, you know, sprawl and brawl kind of thing. She does have to, you know, she has to worry about Dern's hands a little bit too. Um, so I would, yeah, I, I, I've basically got it where the odds are now, essentially where I'm at too. Um, I'll just get up. Top sports odds. I would have Dern as favourite like it is now. I think these odds are pretty well right at the moment. Um, I think if you were, if you wanted to go for Dern, if you wanted to, um, yeah, bet Dern, I would be looking at Dern via sub or deck. Um, it's hard though because I, I, I assume if, you know, she's got such good top game that if she wanted to, I feel like she could unleash punches on, on Torres. Um, and get a finish that way, but she just never really used it before. So I'd be pretty wary of that sub or deck. I, I personally wouldn't take that. Um, and I think if you want to bet Torres, there's just only one way, and that's to win by decision. I mean, I just can't really see her getting a getting a finish at all. But I think 2.3 is very short for decision. So 
Um, or oh, I wouldn't go much lower than that. I'd probably have a small bet at 2.3. I think that's those odds are, are just about right. You know, I wouldn't potentially I wouldn't even bet that. So yeah, if it gets the if it gets the blows, hopefully you can get 2.5, maybe 2.45, something like that. Then uh, you'd you'd interest me in Torres' decision. Torres just hasn't got much power at all, um, and you know, I couldn't imagine her submitting Mackenzie Dern. That would be uh, that would be incredible. All right, let's move on to the people's main event. I'll just have a drink of water first. I've got to get ready for this one. This is very much, I think, the fight that people are most looking forward to over the two title fights. I know myself, I'm much more excited about this fight than the other two fights on the card. Um, Hamzat has just become a, f- a, f- a phenomenon, really. It's uh, the interest around him is crazy. But anyway, I won't babble on. You've uh, you probably all heard about that before. From a betting perspective, I don't think it's very. Uh, I don't think it's a great fight to bet on, but I mean, it's an awesome fight. So let's just talk about it anyway. Um, there's just so many unknowns about Hamzat at the moment. You can make assumptions, of course, you know, how good his wrestling is, how good his ground game is, <clears throat> how good his striking is. I think overall you can – how good his cardio is is another one. I think overall you can say the only thing we know very uh, – we know lots about him is his ground game and his wrestling. Like his wrestling is superb. There's no doubt about that. Um, but how good is it? Like, you know, we've seen him toss around some, some decent fighters, but, you know, Burns is like 20 levels up on, you know, someone like, uh, Jiang, uh, Ji Liang. Um, so, um, I mean, I think Hamzat can get him down, but is this, is this is a huge leap in competition from, uh, Li Jiang, Jiang Liang. I, I've got to, I've got to get that name down, Pat. But I, I have, uh, I can't remember which way it goes. Um, so yeah, we we know that he's got great wrestling. We know that he's got strong top game. But this is against fighters that are not on Burns's level. So it's it's very hard to get a good gauge on exactly where his skill level is at. You would assume it's very very high just because of the way he dominates in those positions. It's not like, you know, he wins rounds or whatever. He's finishing guys straight away. Like, this, it's not even a, it's not even competition down there. Anyway, um, yeah, firstly, important to note, he's got a massive, he's got a massive size advantage, I think, in this one. Um, he will have the reach advantage in the striking, and I think he'll be the bigger, most likely stronger man in the in wrestling and grappling exchanges. Um, the stand-up is, you know, probably the biggest unknown in this fight as we've basically only seen Hamzat strike for, for 17 seconds where he knocked out Mearshart and he threw one punch. I mean, the rest afterwards were just, you know, they weren't needed. He was gone anyway. Um, he looked great for those 17 seconds, cut the cage off beautifully, uh, got him into a corner, one punch, see you later. Obviously got big power, it seems. Um, but it's not enough to come up with any 
certain conclusions on his level of striking. You know, what does it look like in round three when he's tired or at least, you know, more tired than he is at the beginning of a fight um, and done lots of wrestling. Uh, but, yeah, that's for striking. I think in the wrestling, I would lean towards Hamzat having an advantage there. Um, the way he's been able to ragdoll people has been very impressive. But like I said before, Burns is a lead in that department too. So we'll have to work harder than ever before to get a takedown. On the ground, if Hamzat can establish top position, it's going to be extremely hard for Burns uh, to get him off of him, to, to get back to his feet. Um, even though Burns has great BJJ, we, we've never really seen him impose himself at welterweight, um, which is interesting. You go back through his his record at lightweight, he was able to get four submissions in the UFC. And as soon as he's come up to welterweight, he hasn't been able to get one submission yet. So you can make assumptions there that he's probably struggling. I mean, I would say like there's a definite, uh, definitely a skill level uh, difference between the guys he was fighting at welterweight and, and lightweight. He's fighting better competition at welterweight. But still, he hasn't gotten one submission yet. So I would, I assume, or I'm thinking that he's struggling a bit more with the size of these welterweights to, to be able to get them out of there with a submission. Um, the odds are ridiculous, in my opinion. I mean, I don't really see how, how you can have Hamzat so short. It's all, it is all, a lot of it's hype based. It's all, like, don't get me wrong, Hamzat could be the next big thing. But um, it's all, the odds are based on assumptions that he is the next greatest thing. It's not through evidence, really. Um, I mean, it is through evidence in a way because people have seen how he's been able to dominate fights, but it's not, you know, it's not, like he hasn't he hasn't earned those odds, the odds that he's got now, 120, 115, whatever it is at the moment, over someone like Burns, who seriously is, in my eyes, you know, he's, well, I think the rankings say it too, he's the third best welterweight in the world behind Covington and uh, Usman. So, I mean, they could be right. The odds on Hamzak could be right. He could walk in and absolutely destroy Burns, but it's just like... That it's it's all just hypothetical. It's all assumptions. Just because people, you know, get so hyped about a fighter, they're just assuming he's going to walk through turns, which is kind of what those odds represent. And I just don't think he's earned those kind of odds yet. Um, if I had to price it, I I know the bookmakers have to essentially balance the books, and that's why his price is so low. Um, you know, we we just don't. He he could have terrible cardio and he could have average striking and we just wouldn't know because we haven't seen a big enough sample size so i would i would have um i mean i don't think that he's got terrible cardio or average striking i'm just saying he could potentially anyway we'll find out eventually <laughs> i would have <coughs> sorry i'll just have a water <clears throat> i would have chamaya price closer to 1.4 1.5 kind of area that doesn't mean i want to bet on burns personally just because we just don't know about chamoy if he could be he could be should be priced at 1.1 or something like that and then you know you just don't know so i would price 
if I had to price him, say, Chamayev around 1.4, but I think it's just not even worth betting at all this fight. Let's just enjoy the enjoy the mayhem. Chamayev's got massive upside. He's still young, coming up. Gilbert's towards the back end-ish of his career. Um, and I think <clears throat> Chamayev will have the advantage in the grappling or wrestling. Don't know about the striking, but that's just kind of how I see it at the moment. Um, Props-wise, I'll have a look here for you all. I one I definitely wouldn't go near is Chamaya by sub. I think if you think Chamaya is going to get a finish, it's probably going to be knockout. Um, so just because Gilbert's you know great jujitsu, so it's hard to see where um, you know I think he'd be able to defend most of Hamzat's attempts. Famous last words. Um, double chance markets. I'll see. Oh no, not getting on the double chance here. But yeah. Um, maybe look at, yeah, Chimaev, KO deck and rule out the sub. Uh, for Burns, I mean, his money line odds are pretty tempting in general. But um, if you wanted to go for a for a prop bet, I mean, he could get it done in, in a number of ways. But, um, yeah, I guess decision is most likely. But, yeah, I would... If you want to back Burns, I think you just back him on the money line to, to get the win at 4.3 or potentially more by the time this kicks off. So, yeah, that's that one, and we'll move on to the first title fight. So you've got uh, Yarn here at 1.19, and you've got Sterling at 4.7. So the rematch. Um, as shown in the first fight, Sterling struggled to get this fight into his domain, which is the ground, um, you know, work submissions, all that kind of stuff. It was actually Yarn who won most of the re- wrestling exchanges and was able to get Sterling on his back a lot of the time. Um, so I would expect the fight to play out mostly <clears throat> on the feet. And there's no secret to who has the advantage there, especially later in the fight, as we saw last time. I kind of. It'll be interesting to see Sterling's game plan for this one because I kind of think his best chance of winning exchanges on the feet is what he did in the first, second-ish round, which was going with a high-volume approach, getting in his face, pressuring him, um, and just and just trying to outpoint him because he knows that if he gets into a points fight with Jan, if he tries to make it very low output and, uh, you know, hit him with a nice strike here and there. He's got to essentially make it very ugly to um, to get the win, I think. So I think Sterling's best chance overall is probably just to do what he did the first fight and hopefully his cardio holds up a little bit more. You know, try and win the first three rounds or something like that just through sheer relentlessness and, um, you know, maybe be a little bit less reckless maybe just tighten things up a little bit maybe don't go with the same kind of pace maybe just bring that pace back a little bit you know try and win the first three rounds and uh yeah just look to overwhelm yarn a bit um things other things to keep in mind sterling uh (coughs) sterling mentioned i think he mentioned that he didn't eat or something on fight day so on for the last fight that's something yeah to keep in mind that you know, potentially he wasn't at his best cardio-wise because 
he didn't eat anything on the day of the fight. He had some stomach problems or something. I can't really remember. Um, he also spent the last year nursing an injury on the sidelines. He had a neck injury, um, which I kind of think is quite significant. So I, I think that kind of takes, you know, moves things out of his favor a lot. Um, so, yeah, a few things to factor in there. <clears throat> Jan also has the upside. He's still young, getting better every fight. Um, but, yeah, I really think that Sterling's only chance of winning this fight is by getting a, you know, a flashy KO or somehow finding a submission out of nowhere in a scramble or something like that. So I would price, you know, similar to how the Sanhagen fight went for, for Sterling. But I overall think this is a even harder fight for Sterling this time around. Jan's just so patient in the first couple of rounds to get his reads and then he kind of unloads after that. And I think, you know, he's got his reads on Sterling now essentially. As long as he doesn't completely change things up, he knows he's got a way better idea of what he's going to offer and I think that's why it kind of makes it an even harder fight for him to, yeah, to employ his, his game into. Um, I, yeah, looking at the, the I think there's there's definitely a bet here. Props, I think, will lock in. This is our first bet of the day. Peter Yarn via KO or decision at 1.33. I think that's a that's a good bet. I, I price Yarn at what he is now, basically, the money line, 1.19. His chances of getting a submission are really low. Um, so I would say the chances of him winning by knockout or decision, I would price it around 1.25. So I think 1.33 is a decent edge. Um, other ones to look out for, I think Yarn KO is pretty interesting. Um, but if you were, as I said before, if you really wanted to back, um, what's his name, Aljamain, if I can find... Uh, I'm not sure if they've got the markets up here for Sterling to win via via a finish. Doesn't look like it to my naked eye right now. So yeah, I think um, yeah, I think you should be able to get Sterling via finish. You know, maybe sevens or something like that, I would assume. Maybe even bigger than that. So I mean, what's he at for submission? Yeah, he's at 9.5 for submission. So I'd assume you should be able to get him to win by finish at something around 8 or 9. So I think if you want to back Sterling, that's a good bet. Um, but, yeah, for me, the, the the KO deck angle for Jan is the best at top sport right now. But let's move on. Last one, the Aussie himself for the featherweight title. Volkanovski versus... The Korean Zombie, or also referred to as Chan Sung Jung, his uh, real name. I think this is a very tough fight for the Korean Zombie. Volkanovski's kind of superior in just about every discipline. You know, wrestling, grappling, uh, jiu-jitsu, striking. I think on the feet... Jeez, I've got a very dry throat today. Give me a sec. <clears throat> I think on the feet, Volkanovski is just too tactical for Jung. 
Um, <clears throat> I think you'll be able to outpoint him or find a KO later in the fight. Um, I kind of expect Alex to just chip away with leg kicks, land combinations on Zombie, who's never been too interested in defense or and just in general lacks footwork and movement, all this kind of stuff. Um, the one thing he does have on the feet, though, Zombie, is he's got a big, oh, maybe not a huge, but he's definitely got a power advantage. Um, so Volk, Volkanovski really has to stay switched on. He's got a decent chin, Volkanovski. But he has been rocked by, you know, Holloway um, twice in the second fight from memory. So he does have to say stay switched on the whole fight because just looking back at um, his recent opponents, Volkanovski, I'd probably say out of all of them, Zombie's probably got the biggest power out of all of them. So um, he can't get too reckless going in for a finish or just in general. He's got to stay pretty composed and look to kind of land, not the perfect blow, but only go in when he knows Zombie's gone. I think he's just got to outpoint him and frustrate Zombie and wait for him to make a big mistake. Volkanovski, I think he's got the better wrestling too, but I, I don't think the gap's hugely wide, but I can definitely see Volk mixing in some takedowns just to keep Zomb Zombie on his toes. Um, you know, keep him guessing always. Wouldn't be surprised if Zombie did the same too and tried to work a few uh, takedowns, but <clears throat> I don't. I couldn't see him. I, I struggled to see him taking Volkanovski down for one and two, it, just spending time um, on his back, Volkanovski, because he, he's so good at scrambling once he hits the ground. Um, if they do spend time on the ground, <clears throat> it's probably where it's most even. Volkanovski is very much a ground and pan man if he's on top whereas uh, Zombie's got some great submissions in his arsenal. So, you know, both are quite good offensively on the ground, but, you know, when they're put in dangerous positions, like, you know, Volk's got some serious ground and power. I'm sure if he got Zombie on his back, um, he would be in a little bit of trouble there. Um, but, yeah, Zombie is, is very good on the ground. He's good at controlling positions. He's very flowy, as you saw in the Ego fight. He's pretty slick down there. Anyway, I think Volk's got many ways to win this fight, whereas I think Zombie winning is just, it's very heavily skewed towards a finish win. Um, you know, most likely a knockout. But, um, yeah, I mean, if they got caught in a scramble or somehow they made it to the ground, you know, Zombie could potentially get a submission. But, you know, I think... Um, I think Zombie's chances of winning are very heavily skewed towards getting a knockout. But I, um, I I just can't see him being able to, you know, outpoint Volkanovski for three rounds or control him on the ground for three rounds out of five. So I do think, though, that the odds are too much for... Um, I do think there is value with, with the Korean Zombie. So, oops, sorry, they are my notes. I do think it's blown a little bit out of control, though. I don't think... I think Volkanovski's shown a bit too much for me that he can be tagged at times. And the zombie is so willing to be hit just to be able to, you know, he zombie will probably be happy to take three punches to give one back, one big one back. So I do think it's a little bit overblown, the odds, because I do think there is a, you know, he's got a very good chance of finding a knockout here, the zombie. Um so <clears throat> I would lock in this bet. I think 13s for 
Korean Zombie to win by KO is a little bit crazy. I think it's very crazy, actually. Um, I mean, to say that Volkanovski has a, a better chance of getting a sub submission victory than Jung does a KO is kind of ludicrous, I think. Um, you know, I would even say Korean Zombie's got a, maybe a better chance of getting a submission than Volkanovski does. So I think these odds are kind of ridiculous. Um for for zombie to get a KO. So I would lock in that as I think that's a great bet. I know it's gonna disappoint a lot of you as you probably want to back Volkanovsky in some way. Uh being that I assume most people listening to this are Australian, but yeah, that I think that's just the the reality. I just don't see any value with Volkanovsky anymore. I think he's I think all the values with um Chan Sung Jung. I'm not just saying that because he's got the big odds. I, I think there's more, you know, <laughs> our value in Peter Yarn right now. So, and he's at 1.19. So, I, I, but I do think these odds have gone a bit over the top for Volkanovsky. So, yeah, that's how I would play it this weekend, folks. They are my two bets that I'm happy to share with everyone Korean Zombie by KO and Peter Yarn by KO or Decision. But, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. If um, if this is your first time on the channel or first time, you know, hearing about MMA Pun School, jump onto my website at velabetting.com. I think I left a link in the description. Subscribe to all the good stuff. Um, it's going pretty well at the moment. I think we're at an 8% ROI or something like that off the top of my head. So things are going well. And if it's your first time on the TradeMate channel, subscribe, like, do all the good stuff. Jump over to Twitter, follow, make sure to follow Pun School, Top Sport, and all of them. Um, and I will be back next week. I think there's a, a few a few weeks of fights coming up. So we'll uh I'll be back next Thursday or or Friday potentially, but probably Thursday um for another live show. But uh yeah, enjoy the fights this weekend. It's a pretty decent card, and I will see you guys next week. Cheers.